God I've seen so far, amen. So we're going to preach, going to preach. You'd have wished you'd have testified a while ago, amen. No, I'm just kidding. God, what I believe the Lord has for you here tonight, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Now, that uh, brother Nathan gave you the opportunity to give a testimony, and somebody else gave you an opportunity not to, amen. I know that's the way it is. I've been in church a long time, and the preacher say, uh, back where I'm from, they used to say, does anybody have a word for the Lord? And uh, that's not a word to the Lord, that's prayer. Testimony is a word for the Lord, what the Lord has done for me or what the Lord has done for you, and which, whatever the case might have been. And uh, the preacher says, no matter where it is, the preacher says, uh, who's got a word for the Lord? And right away the heart begins to beat real fast. Oh, well, you know, well, and that some people just, I don't know, maybe God ain't never done nothing for them. But you know what God has done for you, and the devil knows that he wish you didn't know what God had done for you. He don't want you to say nothing about that. You know what's, you know what's happening right there? You're being pulled apart. And that's what I want to preach on tonight, getting pulled apart. And I'm telling you, if there's one place in the universe where a person get, could get pulled apart, it's right here in church. Amen? And, uh, well, I, I should say it's right here on this earth. Amen? Uh, ain't nobody getting pulled apart nowhere else. Ain't no such thing as aliens. Amen? You ever, now, there is some strangers that I might be tempted to think they're from another planet. Amen? But I, uh, it, would be, it would be good for the human race if we could say, no, they ain't one of us. Uh, they ain't from around here, but they're from here. Amen? Joe Biden's from right here. Amen. <laughs> and I can say that uh, even more strictly if I was standing in Delaware tonight. He is from our home state. Lord have mercy. Uh, I, when I got up there, I said, what in the world's wrong with this place? And they said, Joe Biden's from here. I said, that's it. That's what, that's what it is right there. Amen. That's exactly what's wrong. Uh, but the, uh, if you talking about politics, then there's Republicans pulling you one way and Democrats pulling you one way, conservatives pulling you one way, liberals pulling you another way, moderates, uh, libertarians, all kinds of stuff. I can't see why in the world a libertarian would want to get into politics. That's, yeah. the, that's their solemn oath. Amen. That's, like, uh, that's like a Calvinist preaching to somebody about getting saved, ain't it? Libertarian, vote for me so I can tell you what to do. Man, that's what libertarian is supposed to be. You're not supposed to be telling people what to do. That's what that means. I mean, but anyway, uh, I guess that's what it's all about on, uh, on the surface there. But people trying to pull you apart, ain't they? So we're going to talk about some things uh, along those lines this evening. Matthew chapter 12. And uh, let me uh, go to the Lord in prayer. And we'll start reading in verse number 22. Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness and for your grace. And thank you for salvation. Thank you for letting us be alive, oh God. And I thank you, dear God, uh, we had this rainstorm today, God. And it seems to, uh, to me, it seems like everything's okay from that. And I hadn't heard of any uh, real serious damage or anything like that. Of course, I, uh, I'm not connected to the main information line, the main grapevine here. So something could have happened. And if it did... I pray that you'd help them people and have mercy on them and restore to them what was lost. And we'll thank you, God, for all of that. And, Lord, uh, now we know this storm's up there in Delaware, and it's knocking out power and different stuff like that back where we're from, back where I'm from, God. And I pray, oh, God, that you would uh, help them be with them there. And, Lord, my little children are there. And, God, I pray you'd help them be with them tonight. 
Uh, and Lord, I ask you tonight, God, to be with us here as I try to preach. I pray, oh God, you'd forgive me of my sin. Forgive me, dear God, for the weakness of my heart and my mind. And I pray, oh God, uh, that you'd forgive whatever's between me and you that would keep me from being able to preach your word. And I pray, oh God, that the Spirit of God and the Word of God would do a work in each person's heart here tonight. And this message is a message, oh God, that can be for everyone. Lord, if I preach the salvation message, maybe there's nobody here that's not saved. Maybe there's a bunch. I don't know. But uh, I know this message that I got tonight, dear God, I believe it could be for every person in the room, oh God. And I pray that you could that you would help them and uh, Lord, oh God speak to their hearts so that they don't turn away uh, from the message that's being preached tonight hide it in their hearts oh God so that they'll have it on them and be armed dear God when somebody tries to pull them in a way which they ought not go and Lord when the Holy Spirit tugs on their heart and leads them and guide them I pray oh God they'd remember that they're being pulled in one direction or, or another and help us to be sensitive to that and help us to be yielding oh God so that when we're pulled in the right way we'd be glad to walk in the right way and we'll thank you and praise you God for everything that you do in Jesus Christ's name we ask these things amen amen all right verse number 22 I left my glasses in the car I, uh, I believe I can make it through here I'll adjust the distance here Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 22 then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow heard it. Uh, excuse me. When the Pharisees, I've had, I got the wrong line. When the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth, gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Now, I want to go back up to verse number uh, verse number uh, 27 there, 26 and 27, if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then, how then shall his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, uh, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. And, and then again, let me back up a verse further than that, I think. Uh, verse 25. It says, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city, Folkestone, for instance, or house, your house, for instance, 
divided against itself shall not stand. So, uh, I started to say, let's pray, but I didn't pray, ain't I? Amen. <laughs> I'm losing my mind, but I caught, me, I caught myself right there. Every city or house divided against itself cannot stand. And I'm telling you, we're living in an age where things, are, uh, things and people and spirits and everything else is trying to drag you apart and pull you apart. And we're going to talk about some things tonight, uh, just about being pulled apart. Let, first of all, Let's look over in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Ephesians, chapter number 4. We'll read a verse or two. We'll read a few more verses of Scripture tonight, maybe than we did in the other nights. Uh, Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, chapter number 4. And it says this, it says, uh, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And you ought to walk worthy of how God called you and what God called you to do. If He called you to be a deacon, you ought to be a good one. Amen? If He called you to be a preacher, you ought to be a good one. If He called you to be a daddy, and let me say this, if you're a saved daddy, God called you to be a daddy. Amen? And if you're a saved mama, you're called to be a mama. And you ought to be the very best one that you can. Amen? And there's a lot of things in this world that'll, you know, try to drag you away from that. Make sure you're getting your responsibilities done. Don't let nothing drag you away from it. Amen? So walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. If you if you're a daddy, you're called to be a Christian daddy. Be one of those and, and be an example to your kids. Amen. Uh, to, uh, uh, today when that storm rolled through, now I'm not the biggest, I'm not as scared of storms per se, but I'm not the biggest fan of lightning you ever seen. Amen. And we was driving back from Trader's Hill. We went down there and looked at the water a little bit and, and on our way back, an alert came over the phone, said a tornado. Uh, was coming and the tension went up in the car. You could feel it. Amen. My boy said, what? He thought it was coming down right off, right, right where we're at. Amen. Uh, I guess it seems that way to a little fella. And sometimes it seems that way to big fellas. Some, some emergency comes along and you think, hey, this is all right now. <laughs> this is happening right now. And your tensions can rise. Amen. And so uh, we got home a little bit. We took Brother Nathan and his boys back to his truck. And we went back over to the house where we're staying. And I could tell old Reese there, he was a little bit nervous. And, and uh, like I say, uh, lightning makes me a little nervous too. So I can understand what a little fella might be going through. And it, right at the Hardest part of the storm there, I could see. He's a nervous fella, so got to be a good example. I said, well, I can't help you. You know, if the storm comes, I can't help you. And if the lightning hits us, I can't help you. Amen? But I know who can help us. Amen? So me and my boy got down on our knees and asked God to forgive us of our sins. And then we walked around that house uh, for a good while. Amen? Just praying. And uh, I don't know what could be done by that other than just to let the boy know that, hey, when uh, things get out of shape and when things is rough and when I'm tempted to be afraid and when I'm tempted to uh, cry out in fear, the best thing to do is to go to God and call on Him and ask Him. Amen? And uh, Brother Nathan was talking today. We was talking about some things and there's no doubt in my mind that he's true, that, that he's right about this. But he said the, uh, uh, he couldn't stand, the, you know, the, the, the weather alerts and the, this alert and that alert and the Chinese virus alert and just it's always this, this, this. 
this. This is going to get you. This is going to get you. This is going to get you. Sugar's going to kill you. Uh, iced tea's going to kill you. Uh, artificial sweetener's going to kill you. Uh, I mean, just uh, everything in the world going to kill you. Everything in this world is known by the state of California to cause cancer. Amen. Every single thing. Every single thing that there is. Being alive is known by the state of California to cause cancer. And just, uh, uh, just warning after warning after warning just to get you so afraid you don't know what to do. So now I got to turn to the, I got to turn to the experts. Man, I, I tell you, if this chili cheese dog is going to cause cancer, I might need to turn to the World Health Organization and find out what I can eat. I got, a, I got, I got an idea that probably we ought to be uh, going to God and asking Him what we could eat. God, the Bible says we could uh, receive all things if we give thanks for it. Amen. That's what the Bible says. What the Bible says. That's what the Bible says, and I believe that. Amen. And so if I'm going to be the daddy that I ought to be, I need to teach my boy to pray. Amen. Because I know without a doubt there's a lot of stuff out there that's trying to pull him in a hundred different directions and trying to get him to go the way of the world or the way of the doctor or the way of the professional or whatever the case may be. But we're supposed to be going God's way. Amen. And this passage of Scripture right here in chapter 4, it says, uh, uh, Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. One another, that's talking about, this is, you're about to find out we hadn't read that part yet, but this loving one another, it's not just you and your son or you and your daughter, it's you and your church. This is about the church right here. Endeavoring, verse 3, to keep the unity of the Spirit, unity. Unity means one. Unity might mean more than one, but it's all together in one. Unity, amen? Uh, God is a great unity. I heard some people, or I read something somewhere yesterday about people talking about they wouldn't know Trinity, and they wouldn't know Trinity, wouldn't know Trinity. Well, I don't know what in the world they think it is. God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, He is all three of those things. There's God the Father in heaven. I know He was up there. He ain't never left, amen? Matter of fact, I know He ain't never left. God ain't never left nowhere because He's everywhere. I don't know if you can reason that in your head or not, but you need a scripture for that. The Bible says, do not I feel heaven and earth? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Paul the Apostle seen a statue one day or a big slab of rock that said to the unknown God, he said, let me tell you about him. Yeah. Amen. Let me tell you about him. He said, uh, he feels everything. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And he said, it's just uh, people looking for God is just like they was blind. And uh, feeling after him, uh, though he's near to every one of us. Yes, he's right there where you at. Uh, you sitting back there on the back row, he's right back there. If you was in West Virginia tonight, he'd be right there. And he's right here too. I mean, uh, but see, they, th they think they're talking about three gods, but we're not talking about God. We're talking about a God that can be on his throne up in heaven and a God that can manifest himself as a little body like this and walk around down here at the same time. Amen. If he wanted to do it, he could walk into every church at the same time tonight, and they'd all be God. You're talking about manifestation of one person, and you can't even really call him a person, but your brain don't think about stuff other than persons when you see bodies. Amen. Amen. But that's the kind of God we got. Amen. And so God, amen. And so he says in this, he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, we serve one God. And verse number four, he says, there is one body. 
So the church here meeting tonight, and uh, I don't know how many people's having revival tonight, so let's use tomorrow as an illustration. A lot of churches have church on Wednesday night. And they'll be getting together in North Carolina and Virginia and South Carolina and Georgia and Arkansas and Tennessee and Kentucky and Alabama. And they'll be meeting all over the place tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Most of us in the same time zone will be right here in this, at the same time. We'll all be having church, and all those churches is a part of the same church. Ain't no independence. I can't find the word independent one time in the Bible having to do anything with anything about the church. Amen? Ain't nobody independent. Nobody independent. We're all the same church. Amen? He says there's one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us, there's one God, but there's every one of us, every one, every one of us. And that's the way we live our lives. We live our lives, every one of us. I don't feel like going to church tonight. That might be true. That might be a true statement. You may really not feel like going to church tonight. But everybody else, all your brothers, the other parts of the body that you belong to, they feel like you being here. Yeah. 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 Amen. They miss you when you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the world would like to pull you apart from that. It's amazing. Wednesday and Sunday's the world's uh, epidemic for headaches and I, can't, uh, I don't feel like it and can't help it and stuff like that. Man, I just, whew, it's the roughest night, man. This is, this is hump day, and you know how hard it is to get over a hump, amen? Oh, I just don't feel good today. Wednesday night, no possible way to make it to church, but I'll be there at Bingo uh, Thursday night. Softball practice Thursday night. Uh, Friday night's got to be something or other, date night. Yeah. Amen. Me and Ruth moved there date night to... Uh, Thursday night, places are less crowded on Thursday night. Get a better seat, amen? It's good, good, very good. You ought to have a date night, but, well, make Wednesday night your date night. Go to church. It's, it's, it's free except for the offering. <laughs> and the offering's free. The offering's free will. You ain't got to give nothing if you don't want to. Keep your money. Bring your family. Amen. It'll be all right. God will get your heart one day, and then he'll have all you got. Amen. There's one body. There's one body, he said, but unto every one of us is given grace. To every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. If you turn back one page, I believe it is, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, it says uh, in verse number, where can we start? Let's start in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So God been put over everything, and hath put all things under his feet. God been put all, uh, over everything. Amen? And, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. We read in chapter 4, it's the church. It's one body. The church, all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. And that's a great doctrine in the Bible. You ought to look at it. You ought to look up the verses. You ought to look them up and study them and read them. That's a great 
study to do on the on uh, the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, the devil here in chapter 2 of Ephesians, well, let's just read it. Verse number 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works, uh, that now worketh in the children of disobedience. There's a spirit that works in the children of disobedience. That spirit is the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. The devil's working everywhere. The devil, now, he's not omnipresent. That means he's not like God. He can't be everywhere at all times. But he got enough unclean spirits working for him that he can cover all the bases. Amen? And God has one body. God has one body. And again, I say that that is one of the most wonderful doctrines. When Paul is explaining the, the doctrine of the body in one place, he said, everybody can't be a preacher. Now, of course, I'm paraphrasing. Allow me to paraphrase, will you? He said, everybody can't be a preacher. Now, in the sense that you can be a witness, everybody. He said, all, he said, all, all don't prophesy. He said, all don't speak with tongues. All don't work miracles. He said, but God, he said, he's fashioned the body the way it pleased him. And he says, uh, if, the, if, the, if the eye were to say, I'm not the hearing, does that, does that mean it doesn't have any value? Or if the eye was an ear, then you'd be missing an eye, wouldn't you? Now, I'm just trying to give you the basics of what he's trying to tell you here. I mean, you need eyes and you need ears, and the ears and the eyes don't do the same work. They do different works, and they work good together. You know, your eyes and your ears work together better than just your eyes work. If you was blind and just had ears, you could hear what was going on, but it'd be a different perception than what you got going on with eyes and ears. And then he said there's some things that's uh, in the body so there's just like some people. Some of them's comely and some of them's uncomely. That means some's ugly and some ain't. Amen. Some of them's fun to look at and some of them ain't fun to look at. That's just the way life is. Uh, but he says, uh, uh, and he, he, likes those, uh, he likens those uh, ugly parts to feet, ugly feet. That's why we wear shoes. <laughs> Ugly feet. Mold and bunions and all kinds of stuff like that. I don't know what your feet look like. Uh, uh, I'm not going to take my shoes off and show you my feet. But you know what the Bible says about that? It says the feet, it, it uses the feet as a type of the worst part. Mm, smelly feet. Smelly feet. You say, how about them smelly underarms? Well, they're easier to wash. They're way up here. You get old and fat, you just go, oh. A little bit harder, I'll wash them twice a week. <laughs> Whatever the case might be. But, you know, if you would think about that in terms of the body, which is what Paul's talking about, actually, when he's talking about all these things. Now, the Bible said, I just read it to you there in Ephesians. It said, Christ is the head. He's the head over the body. He's the head. He's the head. He's the head. And uh, maybe you're the arms or the eyes or something in the body of Christ, but I think most of us would take our place and say, oh, we're not the best. And if you're the Christian you ought to be, like Paul was, he'd say, I'm the chief of sinners. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, I'm the foot. I'm the worst part. So that means if you're the worst part of the body of Christ, the Bible goes on and it says the head cannot. That, that's not optional. The word cannot doesn't give you any idea about options. It means there's a limitation. Cannot means there's a limitation. Have you ever heard of the doctrine of eternal security? Yeah. The Bible says the head 
cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you. You're saved forever. And the illustration of that comes right from the illustration of Christ and the church being a body, inseparable. And the devil, the prince of the power of the air, would like to tear you apart. He'd like to pull you apart. He'd like to get you fussing. He'd like to get you arguing with one another and disagreeing with one another. And every opportunity that he gets, he'll, he'll be swinging at you. I promise you that. Uh, how many times has anybody out in the world, and, and I know you live in a different region uh, than I do, and, and perhaps you would run into it a little more here than maybe we would up in Delaware or something like that. But how many times in this world has somebody actually knocked on your door and invited you to church? And if they did, it's probably Jehovah's Witness or, or Mormons or something like that trying to get you involved in the cult. Amen. Uh, you say, well, is there some anxiety about, is there, some, is there something, is there some stigma that people have about uh, going out, you know, independent fundamental Baptists going out and knocking on doors? Is there some kind of stigma about that? Yeah, there is, matter of fact. The devil's trying to keep you from doing it. The devil ain't trying to keep one Jehovah's Witness. How in the world does the Jehovah's Witness get so many volunteers just to volunteer two years of their life to go out and to compel people to come into their religious organization. Because there ain't no devil fighting against it for one. And, there, and the devil don't care how many people join a cult. But I'm telling you what, he's fighting against you trying to keep you from doing it. He's fighting against you. And just about the time, you, all you're going to do is take some tracks off the track rack and try to slip one to somebody every once in a while. And you say, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? I think they might think I'm a nut if I do that. Well, they think you're a nut anyway. They think you're a nut for being so quiet. Why is that guy so quiet? He's probably a terrorist or something. <laughs> Amen. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. But you think about all the people. Now, this is the way it usually happens, though. You'll work with somebody for 10 years, and you've thought you've known them for 10 years. You know they're an Eagles fan, or you know they're a Texans fan, or you know they're a Redskins fan, and you know all of that stuff about them. You know they got a boat. They got a Bayliner, and they swear by Johnson Motor. And that old fellow over there, he hunts with the 308, and this one over here hunts with the 30 alt six. And they know, you know all that stuff about them boys because you sit down in the lunchroom and you jaw with them and talk with them and you know all that stuff. One day you come to church and you got saved and you went down there and kind of sheepish and they're talking like they always talk. And you say, man, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk this way or not. And after you sit there for about, you know, more four or five, six weeks maybe, you, say, you decide to pipe up and say, I got saved a couple weeks ago at church. <laughs> and then freeze see what happens. Ain't nothing going to happen. Ain't nothing going to happen. Maybe they won't sit with you tomorrow at the break table, but ain't nothing going to happen. Then you'll have peace to eat your lunch. Amen? Uh, but anyway, without fail, somebody's going to say, oh, yeah, well, I'm a Methodist. Yeah. Or more likely, oh, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you sorry rascal, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Amen? Uh, but here it comes now. I go down to the church of God. Hey, I've seen it happen a hundred thousand times. Oh, yeah, you got saved, did you? But do you have the gift of the Holy Ghost? Now, they ain't talked to you in ten years about the religion, but here it is. Now, ain't one person going to come in here and start talking about getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost because there's plenty of armament in here. 
Amen. This preacher knows, I know, a lot of these preacher boys know, a lot of these people that ain't even preachers or don't profess to be preachers, uh, they're just a Christian like they ought to be. A lot of these people can handle it. But they'll get you off newborn Christian out there and they'll try to pick you off one at a time. Ain't never told you about God one day in your life, but oh yeah, but you got to speak in tongues. <laughs> now that, that being saved stuff is good, but you need that speaking, you got to have that speaking in tongues. And listen, you don't even have to use a verse of Scripture to knock that out of the water. Just turn right in the front of your book. Maybe you've got a Bible that's got this. There's a big page on the front of your Bible that says, The Holy Bible. The Holy Bible. You see that? Are you looking? You're not looking. I didn't hear no pages turned. You ain't looking. Find the page that says, The Holy Bible. Got it? Some people ain't got it. Y'all slow, man. Come on. I wouldn't be surprised if you couldn't find Nehemiah, but it's the front page, man. Come on. <laughs> you got that page that says the Holy Bible? Containing the Old and New Testaments. You with me so far? Translated out of the original. What? Well, when your Bible was written, tongues was the word for language. It ain't no mystical They're trying to fool you with something. Listen, the, the religions of this world is easy to get into. The religions of this world is just a fad. But ain't none of their fads uh, exciting enough for them to come down at work at the lunch table and say, Hey, man, I'm saved. Yeah, that's right. Let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah. Why is it they're telling you about tongues but not telling you about Jesus? Right. Huh? The other one's going to be Calvinism. Oh, I just don't believe you can be, you, you don't get to decide when you get saved. Well, ain't nobody said you can, but I guarantee you every one of them jaybirds got saved just like you did. Yeah. Huh, they got down on an altar somewhere and said, oh God, please come into my heart and save me, I know I need it. And then they get up and went to church and got confused by a bunch of philosophy. Yeah, right. Somebody sitting around thinking, well, how could you do this and how could you do that and how could you do this? It's a bunch of baloney, man. And they never talked to you about Jesus one time, but now that you're saved, they want to talk to you about Calvinism. Huh? And it won't be long. It won't be long till that kind of thing happens right after you get saved. And probably after you've been saved 10 or 20 years, they'll still be trying to pick you off. But they're not coming in here trying to pick you off. Now, not saying it can't happen. It might happen. Somebody might slip in and start slipping around and say, well, you know, that preacher, he don't know about this and he don't know about that. Well, say, here's the thing to say then. Well, go talk to the preacher then. Now, listen, if I came to your church, whatever church it might be, and I disagreed with what the preacher was saying, what business have I got coming to you and talking to you about it? Unless I'm trying to do something sneaky. If I disagree with what the preacher's saying, that'd be like me seeing a big old boy like Earl, my son-in-law over there. Oh, that fella right there, oh. Oh, I don't think I like him very much. And I'll tell you right now, I'm going to say something about it. I don't like a world over there. <laughs> what am I telling him for? Yeah. That's a weasel. Yeah. That's a weaselly way to act. That's right. Amen? That's weaselly. Oh, but I've seen it in church. Little weasel sitting down there. He says amen the loudest. Well, he seems like he's the most spiritual. But when he's got a contention, he ain't going to the one he's got a contention with. He didn't even wear a tie to 
I bet he's a kitty daddy. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. That's the way that kind of stuff goes. You're being pulled apart right there. Somebody's trying to pull you apart. And better yet, when they come and start talking to you like that, Brother Nathan, I just don't know if he knows what he's doing or not. Grab him by the arm and say, let's go talk to him about it. Uh, and don't let him go for nothing. Come on now. <laughs> Tell him. Uh, you can't argue with that boy about math or science or grammar, English, uh, geography. I know you ain't going to argue with him about that book. You ain't reading that Bible. You argue with him. You crazy. Hey Amen. You might as well just say amen while he's preaching. Amen. I don't know what you're saying, brother, but you preach on. Hey, if you think he knows better than you, just holler amen. Amen. Tag along. I don't know where we're going, but let's go. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to work. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to work. The same thing happens in families. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Hey, this thing, uh, I wonder why the King James Bible is the bad boy. It don't, it don't, let me find some book that I can pretend is a Bible. I say pretend is a Bible. NIV's pretended to be a Bible. NASB, now if you go with the, if you go with the uh, John MacArthur, NASB. Oh, it's the NASB. Everything he ever learned or ever, oh, John MacArthur's kind of a good preacher. That's because everything he ever learned when he got saved was out of a King James Bible. Now he's preaching King James Bible doctrine out of a NASB, and what he's preaching don't even match what he's reading on the, listen. Here's a good idea when somebody's preaching. Listen. Listen to what they read, and then listen to what comes out of their mouth. It does not match. It don't match. Right there would give me enough inclination to go, hmm, I'm a dumb old Appalachian mountain boy, but... I think I'll go somewhere where the preaching in the Bible matches. Okay. NASB. All those Orthodox, uh, not Orthodox, all of those Reformed Calvinistic doctrine guys, go ask any one of them, say, who, what man, what preacher is the pinnacle of your faith, your fundamental beliefs? Almost every one of those guys in the modern era will look back and say, that's Martin, Lo- uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a dead Presbyterian preacher from England. That, that guy was so smart, because that's what they love. Smart. Oh, he's smart. He's a very intellectual guy. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a smart intellectual guy. He's got a medical, he's got. <laughs> I don't know if God honors degrees earned on earth. The man's dead, but when he was alive, he was a doctor. A trained college graduate doctor, medical doctor. That's pretty smart. And that's, oh, it's Martin Lloyd-Jones. He's just so smart and he's so intelligent. They love those words. He's smart and intelligent. He's smart and he's also intelligent. So smart. So smart. So smart. And he knows all this stuff. And when we have some kind of theological issue, we'll go and ask Martin Lloyd-Jones. But they ain't asking him about his Bible. Because Martin Lloyd-Jones says, there ain't no need to change this King James Bible. Amen. Ain't no one. But listen, I was going to give you an illustration. This is not a Bible, but neither is an NIV. This is, this is not a Bible, but neither is an NASB. NASB and NIV, they got some Bible in it. But I don't want some Bible. 
I want the Bible. The Bible. So this is the pretend Bible. So here's the advertisement for the new Bible. Hi, I have this shiny new Bible. You can have it in green, red, purple, pink, whichever color you like. And it's more readable than the King James Bible. And now you can take that and switch it for any Bible that's ever been made, and they're going to say, and it's more readable than a King James Bible. Why don't they say, it's more readable than the NIV? Because all those Bibles are not fighting against one another. They're fighting against one book, and it's this one. It's more readable than the King James Bible. And by the way, this old hard-to-read book here, what's the trouble? The. Thou. I ain't having that. <laughs> I just can't deal with them these and thous. Now you're talking about intellectualism. And you're talking about a Bible built on scholarship. And the greatest minds in the universe have worked and labored on this great work because the King James Bible says thee and thou and your congregation has a hard time reading thee and thou. You've got a bunch of numbskulls going to your church. Listen, if you're having trouble reading the King James Bible, you need to go back to school. I hate to break it to you. But the same people that tested your little kid's textbook to find out what grade level it was on tested that book right there, and she's coming in about a fifth grade reading level. So listen, if you can't read a Bible, it ain't your fault. I mean, it ain't the Bible's fault. It's your fault. You're stupid. Fifth grade. You could say that a little nicer, Brother Mike. You're dumb if you can't understand a, a a fifth grade reading level, and you're, let's, okay, if you're fourth grade, you're not dumb. But if, if you're 25, 35, 45 years old, and you're having trouble with the King James Bible, you are, you are being pulled apart by a demonic force that's trying to pull you apart from, from your God, and from your faith, and from your congregation, and trying to separate you from the purest form of language that there's ever been on this planet. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Well, the English and the, 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 the Greek and the Hebrew says, let me, hear you, let me hear you order a cup of coffee in Hebrew or Greek. You can't do it. You can't do that. Somebody's trying to pull you apart from your God. That is the Word of God right there. Well, let me ask you something. What's so special about English? Have you ever heard that? Right. What's so special about English? I'll tell you what's so special about the English. You know what God said with his own mouth? You know what Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ said about every subject you'll ever think about in your life? He said, seek and ye shall find. Yeah, that's right. You know what a bunch of old English scholars and kings and preachers did? It started with one little fella. He was educated. He, had, he could have done anything. This guy was so educated that in his day, he could have done anything he wanted to do. He could have worked for kings or princes or universities. He could have done anything he wanted to do. And you know what he decided to do? He said, I think I'm going to translate the Word of God into English. 
And so he began a labor that took him his whole lifetime. And they said, if we catch you translating the Word of God into a language we don't approve of, we will kill you. And you know what he did? He said, I'm going to do it anyway. And they come and locked him up and put him in prison. And you know what happened? God said, I'm so happy with this boy. He let somebody sneak his paperwork in with it to him in prison. And he finished as much as he could finish in prison. And when he got done, when he got done, they killed him. And they buried him. And then they dug him up and burned him and threw him in the river. And there was his book. And the same people that snuck it into him snuck it out. Yeah. And gave it to some people, and they finished the parts that he didn't finish. They put it together and called it the Matthews Bible. And the, listen, the same king that had him burnt said, I believe we need a Bible in English. <laughs> and somebody comes up and says, I have this one already finished. <laughs> and they took it and they did a little bit of work on it and they called it something else. And that thing survived and stayed around until another king got on the throne and said, We need a up-to-date version. And when they put it out, it's the best thing. It's the best thing. Now listen, could we change thou to you? be very easy to do that. But once you made a few changes like that, you wouldn't have enough changes to say it's a new work. You would be a plagiarist then. There is not enough verses, there is not enough words in that book to change just those words you have a problem with or might not understand because you live in 2024 and they lived in 1611. There are not enough for those words to make it a new work. So every time they make a new Bible, they have to change thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of things in that book just to say they did it themselves. And you can't change it that many times and have it be the same that it was before. They are liars, liars, liars. They're lying to you. That's the, be- that's the best book that's ever been made. And I don't have to know a word of Hebrew or Greek to know that. And let me tell you this. Those guys that says, this is the latest and oldest manuscripts and the very best. All of those guys went, how many of you folks went to high school? How many of you took a foreign language in high school? Uh, And what can you say about that now? You couldn't get up here and preach a language in that lesson if you wanted to. What those guys did, they get some work, and they looked it up. Oh, this one. Oh, oh, that don't exactly match. And they don't know about declensions. They don't know nothing. But they sure do sound smart because they've been to school and got the vocabulary. You're being pulled apart, my friend. You're being pulled apart. Amen. Don't let them pull you apart. Now, so far, I've just talked about the things in the church. Man, listen, don't let them take your Bible away. Don't let them take. When I was a boy, uh, we was kind of poor. We had to go to the, uh, we had to go to the, we didn't have our own washer and dryer. We had to go to the, no, I'm thinking about a different sort. This was at the dentist office. God help me, I hate a dentist just about as bad as anything else. But we went to the dentist office, and I'm sitting in the dentist office there. And here on, I'd already been going to church. Mama goes to church now. Daddy goes to church. Everybody goes to church now. I've been to Sunday school. I'm still just a little kid, maybe six or seven years old. And I'm sitting here. And one thing Mama taught me how to do real good, besides behave and keep my mouth shut, was read. Read. My boy is going to read. And I love to read. And every day I'd take my Bible and I, Mama said, you've got to go outside and play. I don't know why mamas don't want kids under their feet, but they want you to go outside and play. 
I need some peace, boy. Get outside and play. But anyway, when I go outside, I go, uh, we had this, uh, this big field behind our house for the cows. Uh, they weren't our cows. They were somebody else's cows. But there was a row of uh, weeds and trees and stuff growing up along the fence line there. Just nobody had cut it down in years. And I went back a couple years ago. That whole field is now a forest. Been a lot of changes in, in that many years. But anyway, 45, 46 years, long time. But I got in that and I cleared out the, a space about this wide between the fence and those weeds so that I could get in and out. And then I went into the weeds and I carved me out a little square place and cut down what I could. And I could go in there and hide. I could stay all day. People would think I was gone, but I was there. But I, and I'd go in there every day, read my Bible, 20 minutes. Every day. That was my secret hiding place. I'd read my Bible every day. So I'd been reading my Bible. Mama taught me to read, and then she made me read the Bible. Amen. That's a wonderful thing. But we was in the dentist's office, and I look over, and it said, uh, Good news for modern man. I said, Hmm. I said, Mama, what's this? She said, That's good news for modern man. And I said, What is it? She said, Some kind of Bible. So I opened it up and started reading it. I said, Mama, this ain't no Bible. She said, I know, son. I'm glad I knew. Hey, a little boy, a little boy, don't got no college education. Ain't even got no schooling, man. Ain't even got a good school education yet. But you can open up the book and, hey, it ain't the same. Them books ain't the same as this. The Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible says it divides asunder between the joints and the marrow and is a discerner. This, the Word, not a preacher, not God. It says the Word of God is a discerner between the thoughts and intents of the heart. You open this book up right here and it starts reading you. And that's why they want to pull you apart from it. That prince of the power of the air that wants you to follow him... He wants to pull you apart from this book. This is the book. This is, and listen, you get an easier book to read. What does that mean? It means you're dumber at the end of the day. I want something, listen, I want a book that I don't understand. I want a book that I've got to figure out. The, The language in this thing is the easiest part about it. The part about it is why am I so bad? Why is it that this book bothers me so much every time I open it? Why is it that I can get on a fasting routine or a weight gain? Oh, a weight gain. (laughs) Some of us need weight gain exercise. Or a weight loss program. Why can I get on? Why can I go to the gym faithfully every day? Why can I get up and go to work every day? Work, the worst thing in the world. Go to work with all the workers. I want to work where there ain't no workers around, but I can still make money. That's why I, when I work, I drive a tow truck, and ain't nobody in there with me, just me. Just me and my truck. That's a country song, ain't it? Me and my truck. Amen. Me and my truck. Hey, but listen, when the, the devil trying to get you away from that book, you open this book, and I'm going to read it for from now on. Brother Chris, praise the Lord. I'm going to read my Bible every day for the rest of my life. Day one. Wow. (laughs) You know how I know the devil clouds people's mind about this book? Look. This is the 
This is the most versatile book on the planet here. Now, this was an NIV. Now it's Tom Sawyer. Let me hand you this book. Uh, don't really take it from me because I'm going to pretend it's somebody else in a minute. I'm going to hand it to somebody else in a minute. This is Tom Sawyer. I'm going to give you this book to read. Now, this is a good book. You interested in good books? Oh, you want to read this book? Say yes. Now, here you go. Now, I'm going to hand him this book and I'm going to walk away. And I guarantee you he's not going to call me and say, where should I start? <laughs> you know where to start, don't you? Huh? Here's uh, uh, another one of my favorite books. I mean, I, got, I like books besides this one. Here's another one of my favorite books, Great Expectations. How many of people have read Great Expectations? You folks need a life. <laughs> And a library card. <laughs> Great expectations. It's good. It's about a little boy that falls in love with a little girl. And she's a devil. Yep. And she drags him through life being a devil. And she's got a devil for a caretaker. And they run that boy through the ringer. And it don't turn out good for him. It's a wonderful story. <laughs> you can borrow it. Okay? He's not going to call me and ask me where to start. You know where to start, don't you? Something happens when you give somebody a Bible. You say, here you go. A cloud forms over their home, their house, their whole universe. And they're looking at this book now going, where do I start? <laughs> what do you mean, where do you start? But almost everybody that ever gets saved says that very thing. And you know what's even more amazing? Preachers go, now here, here's this book. It's the best book that there's ever been. I recommend you start in John. Almost to the, almost to the end. You're out of your mind. There's something wrong with that. There's, can't you see that there's something spiritually amiss about that whole situation? Do you mean to tell me, Brother Mike, that the devil can work in such a way that it can even cloud over Christians and preachers that's supposed to have been to college and all this stuff, and they get so mixed up that they could say, start in John? You know what? This is such, you open, the, open this Bible to the first real page in this Bible, and it goes, in the beginning. There's your clue about where to start. It's such a simple thing. I don't even think you've realized what kind of a mystical thing I'm talking about yet. It's a spiritual thing that's going on right there. Where do I start? Something wrong. Something is trying to pull you apart. You know what that first thing does? That first thing, that first page the first page in your Bible, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. You know what's going on there? That's the answer to almost every question you're going to have in your life. Man's fundamental question, where did I come from? What am I here for? That's it right there. Listen, from the day you was born, in the beginning of you, the devil been trying to pull you apart. And you're sitting around as an eight, nine-year-old boy and things are starting to change in your mind. And you're thinking, man, why don't my friends like me? 
why don't, why, don't, why don't I have any good friends? And then you turn about 13 or 14. Nobody real, really does like me. I don't have any real friends. Get up at 25 years old and you're looking around thinking, the whole world's just out for themselves. Nobody's out for me. David, David, the man after God's own heart said, I said, I looked to my left, I looked to my right hand, and no man cared for my soul. And the answer to that whole thing, that thing that tears people apart, we're talking about tearing people apart and families apart and churches apart, and the thing that tears individual men from limb to limb is that thing. Why is everybody against me? Why does it seem like every, I got some friends and I do have some friends and stuff like that, but it seems like they're all out for themselves. And when hard times come, they're all gone. And all that stuff is summed up in one little phrase. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And there it is. He's the creator. He's the only one that got to worry about. And as far as all those friends forsaking you and fleeing, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. And that, that whole thing fits together. Look, this whole thing out of this book fits together so good that they'll go in there and they'll change it and they'll make it, they'll make it say as, they'll make the wording of that thing as far away as they possibly can from what the contents of the real Bible says so that those things can never be put back together. It'll, listen, what's different about this book is it seems divine. What's different about those other Bibles is they're so familiar, like one of your friends might have said it that way or something. Yeah. Some man messed with it until it sounds like a good friend or, a, or uh, something that a five or six-year-old kid might could understand. But what it's supposed to be is God speaking to his people, not just to Brother Clint, not just to Brother Chris, not just Brother Nathan, speaking to everybody so that when a man gets up and starts talking about it, there's something that draws everything to the center and says, here we are. Here we are. God asked, God asked Job, he said, can you send the lightnings forth and have them come back and say, here I am. God can do that, though. He can do it so much it's evident in his word. You can get up here and open the Bible and not have a brain in your head and not have no education and start talking about real things that come out of a real book. And whether people's educated or whether they're rich or whether they're poor or whether they're popular or whether they're unpopular, that thing goes out like lightning and strikes every heart. And the people come down to the altar and say, here I am. You know, you know what Ahab said to, to uh, Elijah? He said, have you found me? Did you find me? He thought he was looking for Elijah. But when he ran into Elijah face to face, have you found me? Have you found me? Yeah, I found you. Right here in this book. I don't have to know you or read your mail or come down and put a listening device in your living room. Just preach the word. I know where you're at. I know where you're at. I know where you're at because this book, this book that was written to me is written to you. Hey Amen. This book that, was, that meant to deal with your heart deals with my heart. And that pulls us together and we can say, oh, my brother's going through it. Me too. Oh, my sister's sick. Oh, I know what that's like. Oh, my brother's downhearted. And we can have compassion on one another. Those other, those other Bibles they're trying to give you, they make comfortable people. The Word of God brings close companions. I'd rather, be, I'd rather have close companions than to be happy all by myself. 
content to be just on an island by myself, nobody bothering. No, sir, that ain't the way God intended it. Uh, that without form and void turns into a whole creation, doesn't it? And uh, uh, you, know how, you know how without form and void turns into a whole creation? And God said. 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 And God said, next thing you know, you got gardens and peoples and cows and mooses and West Virginia hollers and, and uh, Georgia uh, bayous and swamps and all this stuff come from, and God said, and God said, amen? And the devil wants to tear that apart. Hey, when you, when you can't have children, and God said, then you got families. And then you got futures. Yeah. Amen. That's the way God works. I got an uncle that's lost, and God said, now we got a whole saved family. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. That's the way it goes. And you know where you can find that other than the, the body of Christ? Not a place, not a single stinking place. And get all the buddies you want and go to all the bars you want and go back to doing all the stuff that your flesh has a good time doing. That flesh is just trying to tear you apart from the only real thing you've got in this world. You're being pulled apart. And I'm telling you, God's trying to pull you together. God wants to pull you together. And at the end of the day, having peace with God, that's, more, that's worth more than all the friends in the world. And may you have a thousand million friends. But I'm here to tell you, the peace of God in your heart's better than anything you can search for out there by yourself. I, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness and for your grace. I meant to say a lot of things tonight, God, but I believe I've said exactly what you wanted me to say. And Lord, where I've come short, I pray you'd, I pray you'd make it real to the hearts, oh God. Uh, let us not let the world pull us apart. Let us not let the devil pull us apart. I wanted to read that passage about the world and the flesh and the devil. I wanted the, uh, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I wanted to read about that, but didn't get to that, Lord. I feel like uh, it's sufficient tonight, and I pray you'd use it and bless it. And I thank you and praise you for all that you do. A lot of people around the altar already. Would you come if God dealt with your heart? Would you pray where you're at? Would you come around the altar? But the main question is, will you do business with, with God? Will you let God have his way in your life? Will you let God connect you to, uh, to those blessings that he wants to connect you with? No blessing better than the word of God. Uh, no greater blessing than the house of God and the family of God and the people of God. Why don't you get involved? Why don't you get connected? Why don't you get on the winning side? Brother Nathan, you do.